If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello. Larry Ledger was a solidly engaged young man when he boarded the plane for taking him to England on a business trip. When he left the plane, he had doubts about the permanence of his engagement. For a little stewardess, huge gray eyes and a small heart-shaped face and a devastating southern accent had thrown him completely off base. When he landed, he had her name and her address back in the States and he knew where to stay during the two-day stop over in England. But he didn't know that the pilot, an ex-RAF man, had scolded her roundly for giving out so much personal information. Later, when he and the little stewardess were exploring London... When you came down the aisle at the takeoff and asked me if my belt were fastened, I did a nosedive, Martin. Nothing ever hit me so hard before. You mean my church? With all my heart. Well, according to Charles Stokely... And who is Charles Stokely? At World, I think. Yes. He saw the announcement of your engagement in a paper just about a month ago to a girl named Dana. You can't be engaged to one girl and take a nosedive for another one. That's what you think. But Dana's a good age, and I was very fond of her until I met you. As soon as I get home, I'm going to break the engagement. Oh, but that would be terrible. She must love you... She doesn't love me any more than I love her. It's just one of those things. We've known each other since we were kids. And... Well, everybody else was getting married, and I thought it was all right. Until I realized that a man only sees stars and smells perfume and hears organ music when he meets the right girl. When I met you. It was night, and the sky was full of stars. You couldn't help seeing stars when you met me. All you had to do was look out of the window. Oh, you're such a realist, Marcus. Mm -hmm. And what about the organ music and the person? 
Well, sometimes the engine of the plane seems to have a sort of rhythm. And I was wearing Shalimar. I bought her on the last trip to Paris. And you mustn't kiss me right in the middle of Bond Street. My mistake. I thought I was kissing you right in the mouth. Darling, will you marry me as soon as I'm free? Let's wait until you're free before I make any... Statements for the press? I was going to say promises. That other girl, that Dana, may love you more than you think she does. Well, even if she does love me more than I think she does, would it be right to ruin two lives and it's only necessary to ruin one? Well, not that there's any chance of Dana's life being ruined or anything. She's a cruel little number. Oh, darling, use your beautiful hair. <laughs> in England was over, he flew back to America, not, however, on Marshall's plane. And a short week later, which was just one short week before the day set for their wedding, he quietly and calmly and rather brutally told the girl named Dana that he didn't want to marry her. And a week later, he and Marshall were made man and wife by an obscure justice of the peace. And a month later, they flew to San Francisco where Lanny had a new and very big job waiting for him. And just a year later, as he came home one morning and the sun was rising and the birds were all astir, he found Marcia curled up in the corner of the sofa. Well, why in the name of heaven aren't you in bed and asleep, baby? Well, I, I waited up for you. Lanny, you are awfully late. I'm not a bit late. <laughs> I'm early. I was worried. Terribly I thought something awful had happened. Oh, come, come, Martha. Nothing awful ever happens to me. Only good things happen. Good things like you. Darling, I hate it when you don't come home and don't let me know where you are. I, I missed the first month of our marriage when you came home early every night and... I couldn't do any for you. Now, wait a minute. Honeymoon can't go on indefinitely. There has to be an end to everything, even honeymoon. And eight. Oh. Well, what in the name of common sense have I said to make you cry? In just a moment, Betty Davis will be back again. But first, career servicemen can now plan on two retirement checks when they retire at age 65. That's because military service now counts toward both military retirement and Social Security retirement. Social Security can mean more peace of mind as well as better retirement for the serviceman. Now that he's under Social Security, there's better family protection for the serviceman, protection in the form of regular monthly checks to his widow and children in the event of his death. That's why your Social Security card is your key to three-way insurance protection for both you and your family. It's an extra retirement check at age 65, or a benefit check, payable at age 50 if you become disabled. Or if you die, there'll be money for your widow and children. Your service library or reading room has pamphlets on hand to give you complete details on the Social Security program. Have you investigated your Social Security benefits? 
Now, back to our story with Betty Davis. Marsha raised gray eyes that were misty with tears to her husband's face. Her own heart-shaped face looked small and thick. Manny, studying her, wrinkled his nose comically. Or was it derisively? After a long moment, he spoke. Okay, come clean. What's biting you, Marsh? I, I feel as if you'd stop loving me, Lana. If you loved me, you'd come home, Matt. You wouldn't stay out with other... With other... Were you going to say women? I was going to say people. That's better. Never get too specific so you lose more than you gain. I, I don't love when I'm married to you, Lana, dear. I don't want to lose you. Oh, you. Well, the best way to keep me hooked is to keep yourself looking like a human being. You're so pale and wan these days. <laughs> you know, it's hard to remember that you're the snappy little number who came down the aisle in a cute stewardess's uniform. Have I changed some? Yes, Marcia, you have. When a man loves a woman, he never changes as far as he's concerned. Not even when she's old and wrinkled and gray. Lanny, Lanny, let's go somewhere. Just the two of us. Let's find some isolated beaches. Oh, I'm not in the mood for isolated beaches. And besides, Marsha, I can't get away right now. There should be a sales convention here in San Francisco. It'll start next Monday. It'll last for perhaps two weeks. A sales convention. Then I'll scarcely see you for two weeks. Can't you guess that I'm miserable? Oh, for heaven's sake, stop singing the blues and go to bed and relax for a while. I'm all in myself. I don't want to spend the rest of the morning arguing. I want some shut eyes. So Martha, like a little goat, crept into bed, and long after Lanny was asleep, long after the sun had crept up to the center of the sky, she lay there, wondering how a man can sweet-talk the heart out of you and then break it to bits and toss away the pieces. And she thought of the girl named Dana, who had been jilted by Lanny so that he could marry her. When she put up a weak protest against the jilted, she'd been very glib about it. She said, Well, even if she does love me, darling, would it be right to ruin two lives when it's only necessary to ruin one? Well, not that there's any chance that Dana's life can ruin. She's a cool little member. Oh, darling, use your beautiful head. Wouldn't it be better to cut our losses, Dana, to mine very quickly? So that you and I can be married and have our own home. of their lives. It didn't look that way. Very softly so that she wouldn't waken Lanny. Martha started to cry. And when finally the tears had stopped because they were all gone, she climbed out of bed and started to prepare brunch. Lanny would be hungry when he woke up. He'd eat ravenously and go to the office and then what? The table was set with a gay little cloth and flowers that matched it, and coffee was bubbling in the percolator when she heard the shower running. And 
Don't you mind he came out of their room looking immaculate and debonair? Mmm, that coffee smells good. That's a nice dress you're wearing, Martha. I bet darling, you should wear more lipstick. Oh, I will next time. Do you want to phone the office before you eat? No, I won't call. If I do, I'll give the boss time to get sore at me. I'll explain when I'm on tap that I had a headache or went to the dentist or something. Marcia, I've been thinking. You said when I came home this morning that you'd scarcely seen me for the two weeks of the convention, right? That's right. Well, I have an idea. Why don't you go somewhere for a vacation by yourself? I wouldn't want to go anywhere alone. There's a fellow at my office. His name's David Harding. And uh, he and his sister have a cottage at one of those isolated beaches you were talking about. You know, they go to the cottage whenever they can squeeze out a weekend or a week or even two weeks. Now, just yesterday, Dave was saying that his sister's dog tired. She's an angry buyer for a chain of stores. You know, I think she'd snatch herself a vacation at the beach if she could find someone to go with her. But no, no. Oh, now, wait a minute. I haven't even finished. Dave could drive the two of you down, and you could stay with Eve. She's the sister. But how do you know that she'd like me or, or that I'd like her? Well, I'll tell you what. I'll bring them home for dinner tonight, and if you and she discover that you can get along, well, how about it? Well, bring them home. We'll see. Oh, that's my girl. You fix a bang-up dinner, will you? And wear your prettiest dress, and darling, remember, lots of lipstick. Marcia put on her prettiest dress and lots more lipstick. And she had a maid come in to serve the dinner and to clean up after it. And she was waiting eagerly. The lady seldom had guests. When he arrived with a dark, keen-eyed young man and a girl who was very blonde, she introduced them eagerly. Darling, meet Eve and Dave Harding. It was so nice of you to come on short notice. Won't you step into my room, Eve, and leave your hat? Oh, it's such a big, beautiful hat, like a cartwheel. I wish I were tall enough to wear a big hat, but I'm sort of small. And defenseless, Mrs. Ledger. Well, perhaps, Mr. Harding. I don't know you. <laughs> the dinner class almost present. Towards the middle of it, Eve invited Marcia to visit the beach cottage, and Marcia murmured her thanks. And then Eve had a phone call. It seemed that a big lingerie manufacturer was unexpectedly in town for a few hours. She must see him. And David said regretfully that he was sorry. He didn't have his car so that he could drive his sister to the manufacturer's hotel. And Lanny said that he had his car at the curb and that if they'd excuse him, he'd take Eve to her appointment. And so, all at once, the dark, keen-eyed young man and Martha were left alone. I hope you won't be bored sitting it out with me, Mr. Hardy. Bored? Not me. I'll enjoy myself. But how about you? I'm going to be very strong. I seldom enjoy myself when Lanny is in a run. Your sister's beautiful, Mr. Hardy. I'll tell her you said so. As I understand it, you're going to drive your sister and me down. Well, she'll probably go down a day or two ahead of the bandwagon. You'll take me down later, yes. Shall I play some records, Mr. Hardy? No, make a dance record. I'd like to dance with you. 
I'd like to do a lot of things for you, Mrs. Ledger. Lanning said you were pretty, but he didn't go into detail. Lanning used to think I was attractive when I was young and gay and foolish. Oh, well, you're still young and gay. But I've stopped being foolish. Uh, wouldn't it be a waltz or something sophomore? Well, make it a slow walk. When I'm dancing with a girl like you, I want to take my time. You know, on second thought, don't put on a record. Let's go somewhere where there's a dance band. But what about Lanning? He'll be back before long. Or will he? In just a moment, Betty Davis will be back. Four Navy ships arrived off the coast of Colombo, Ceylon. The USS Duxbury, USS Princeton, USS Sutherland, and USS Henderson. They were there to take part in the rescue work made necessary by one of the worst floods in the history of Ceylon. Over 300 tons of food were offloaded and dispatched to the disaster area. 150 tons were airlifted by the helicopters of the Princeton. Medical teams from all the Navy ships immunized thousands of people to prevent epidemic outbreaks. They also purified the drinking water. After five days of 24 hours a day work, the floodwaters receded and the emergency passed. The spirit and teamwork displayed by these Navy men gave us all a thought to remember. We are America. As we go, so goes America. our story with Betty Davis. David Harding smiled into Martha's eyes. His smile was frank and engaging. A little too frank and more than a little too engaging. His eyes were deeply appreciative. Why were they so soft? After a moment, he spoke. Lanny is a lucky man. You mean what I think you mean. Thank you, Lanny. Well, you know, it's enough for a girl to have a heart-shaped face and lashes a mile long without having a southern accent, Bernie. What part of the South do you hail from, Martha? Let's just say I'm from the deep south. But I'm not deep myself. Except the north. Are you warning me? Perhaps I am. Oh, <laughs> so we're getting away from the patient voice, Mr. Harding. I said that Lanny would be back before long. So you did. And then I asked, oh, will he? And you didn't answer. I will now. Uh, of course he'll be back soon. Any man who wasn't a blithering idiot would be back soon if he left you behind. Then I won't be able to go down to meet you. Oh, of course you can leave a note saying where we are. Oh, but we might miss each other somehow. Oh, let's not go out this time, Mr. Harding. Let's dance decorously right here. And wait for my husband. It's up to you, of course. When you get tired of dancing and waiting, you can go home, Mr. Harding, and I'll wait alone. I'm getting used to that. It was almost sunup when Martha made a personal call. She'd thought things out during the dark hours and had reached a conclusion. 
And when a sleepy voice came over the wire, she was very apologetic. It's horrible of me to wake you so early, but it's important. Yes. I, I don't suppose you, you remember me, but I was a stewardess once on an overseas plane. You traveled on it. You were working on an important case. Oh, yes. It, it, my name was Marcia Whalen, Mr. Dearborn. Oh, I, I remember you. you. You had a southern accent. You still have it. And gray eyes like my wife. <laughs> That's right. You gave me a business card and scribbled your home phone number on it. I found it last night while I was cleaning out a desk drawer. It seemed providential. May I possibly see you today on a matter of business? Quite sure. Well, uh, where are you now? In San Francisco. Uh, the town in which I live and work is about 20 miles south. Uh, you can take bus number 17. I'll take a cab. May I come early around 9.30? That'll be fine. The sooner the better. And... Oh, someone's at the door, so I'll hang up. I'll be seeing you. Who were you talking to at this hour? An old acquaintance. You're earlier than I expected, you. Am I? I thought you and Eve would make a night of it. Now, wait a minute. Eve had a business appointment. But, darling, she likes you so much. She said you were the sweetest thing ever. She said that you and she would have a wonderful time at the beach. When a girl marries a man who hasn't played fair with another girl, how on earth can she expect him to play fair with her? Huh? I was asking for this land. What are you talking about? You let Dana down, so why wouldn't you let me down? That's what I should have told myself, but I didn't. It's all fixed, isn't it? Dave Harding will... Drive me down to the isolated beach, and then his sister won't be at the cottage. Something will have happened to detain her, and it'll be too late for him to go back, so he'll cab out on the sofa in the living room. What are you talking about? It's hard morning, he'll knock on my door and ask if I have a flashlight or a headache pill, and just as he steps into my room, you'll appear, and you'll accuse me of horrid things. I'm leaving you, Ronnie. My bags are packed. You're out of your mind. Oh, no, I'm not. Do you want to divorce me, Lonnie, so that you can marry me? She won't stick by you for long, if at all. What the devil are you talking about? I almost think he fooled you, too. This is more amusing than I thought it would be. Meaning? He didn't save Harding's sister, and he didn't offer to frame me out of the goodness of his heart so that you and he could find happiness together. He's a professional, what do you call it? I guess she's the word. And she works for Dave, who's a professional correspondent. After they framed a wife or a husband, they blackmail the party of the other part and get it both ways. How do you know so much about the Hardings? Do you remember the pilot named Charles Stokely who warned me against you? The one who knows everything about everybody. Well, Eve traveled on our plane once, and he told me all about her little rocket. Once you said I was a realist, Lanny, and so I am. I'm such a realist that I've decided to see a lawyer who has an office just 20 miles from San Francisco. And after that, I'll take a vacation by myself. A very long vacation.
Scripture was right when a man will cheat one woman to cheat another woman. Men and women run according to patterns. They seldom deviate. When Martha called James Dearborn, she didn't mention that he was a lawyer. She only gave it away at the very end of her story. I'm sure Jim was able to help Martha win her way to freedom, but as he himself said on occasion, law belongs in the office, not in the home. And he couldn't lay down the law to end his wife. Betty Davis to tell you more about James Dearborn, who was worried about his wife, Anne. What was wrong with Anne Dearborn? Why, nothing was wrong with her, really, except that nature intended her to be a big, strong girl, and she insisted on dieting so that she looked fragile and interesting. Well, her diet carried her in the wrong direction and started a chain of circumstances that threatened her marriage. Until then... This is Betty Davis saying goodbye from the Whispering Street. Today's program was written by Margaret E. Sankey. Featured in the cast were Shirley Mitchell, Jack Edwards, and Lester Fletcher. Whispering Street was directed by Gordon T. Hughes and produced by Ted Lloyd. Your announcer is Dan Coverley. Whispering Streets has come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.
across the dinner table are frightening ones, especially when a woman is on the front side and is trying to diet. As Anne Dearborn watched her husband James scrape up the last succulent bit of cream of pea soup, she thought that had chunks of ham floating in it, she felt hatred creep into her heart. Nervously her fingers crumbled the bit of Swedish bread that lay on her service plate. When James looked up and grinned at her, she had an absurd desire to scream. Andy certainly is a good cook. You can ring for I am if you want to. Very well. Oh, you ring, Miss Dearborn? Yes, Candy. You may take Mr. Dearborn's seat, please. You should have some of this. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.